Hey guys, welcome to the Marriage Millennials Podcast. It is 8.01 p.m. on Wednesday, June 3rd. Welcome back, and thanks again for listening. And if you're new, hey, we're your hosts, Rochelle. And Samuel Shayola. And we're the creators of MarriageMillennials.com, where we help millennials see God's design for faith, smart dating, and marriage. Pretty much, we share tools for millennials to honor Christ before a spouse and with one, and prepare them for family if that is a current desire they have. All right, and before we get started, as always, we want to tell you where you can keep the convo going with us after the end of the podcast, as well as some housekeeping for the site. This will be posted on the site, marriageformillennials.com. So if you have any questions, feel free to comment below on that post, or you can also visit the Facebook page, backslash MF Millennials. Rose's Twitter and IG handle is at Rochelle Shoyola, and mine is at Samuel Shoyola. So feel free to follow and talk with us there as well. Also, the podcast is on all listening outlets, so subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. Just type Marriage for Millennials in the search bar and it'll pop right up for you. Last thing, if you've been following or even if you haven't, there are a ton of cool things on the site from workbooks to our new 25 questions to ask while dating, products, and more. So feel free to check those out as well. Alrighty, guys. Let's, let's jump, jump in. in. What's going on? <laughs> hey, guys. Um, welcome back to another podcast. Um, how are you guys holding up? How's it going? Um, I'm sure unless you're under a rock, um, you kind of know everything that's going on in the news and this week has just been overwhelming. Yeah, it's a pretty emotional time. Yep. Um, this climate and podcast topic, um, I'm really excited about today because it's kind of one of the reasons why we created Marriage for Millennials in the first place. Um, I know there's a lot of tools about dating or talks about marriage and things of that nature on here, Um, but one of the core reasons we created this brand um, is to promote family and community. Um, You know, like just in light of all the things that have gone on, our morals, our values, sin, and how much of it we tolerate and how we handle it, those things are first taught in the home, you know, Um, and after you kind of um, have those things as habit in your home, you then bring those around your friend groups and maybe your extended family. Um, and then you impact societies with the culmination of what you were taught, right? Mm-hmm. And so before you can even teach things in a home, you have to create a home. And one of the ways um, we do that is by getting married. Um, so um, I think this podcast is right on time. Um, and just great for us to talk about something a little bit different, kind of still family oriented, but um, just a, a more, I guess, um, niche of something yeah. that we want to say today. Um, last thing, I do want to make a shameless plug announcement. Um, if you don't know, we just released our latest workbook, um, 25 Questions to Ask While Dating. Um, and this is a workbook designed to help singles date strategically and purposefully, um, saving them time and investment as they look for potential courtship candidates. So if that's right up your alley, go ahead and um, head to the site um, under courses, I believe, um, and you can get that as well. And for those of you that have already purchased it, thank you. Um, all right. All right. Um, so. Today's podcast is all about family empowerment. Um, We are doing it in light of um, all the stuff going on. Um, We wanted to figure out a way to kind of share our thoughts in a healthy way and just a way that empowers. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of posting on social media, and I want to make sure that we're also, we're not just posting, that we're also um, plotting, 
planting and preparing, you know, in our homes. Right. Um, I think I think you can you can lose yourself in policing people in regards to what they're posting and not posting, and it's kind of just like, well, are we actually doing anything, or are we all just posting? Um, it would be a pity for us to all post but not prepare. Yeah. So so um, yeah. So total government control. You know, martial law. These are things that people are starting to think about these days. Um, how do we prepare ourselves spiritually, physically? financially, politically, and with just with the community that we are called to. Um, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, and before we get started, go ahead and click that subscribe button and share this podcast if you like our content. Visibility matters, and we want this message to not only hit your ears, but everyone else's as well. We love doing this from our hearts, free of charge, and we also ask that you spread the love. I don't know about you, but you cannot beat that. Alrighty, guys. So we have five points. Um, we feel like these are some well-rounded points. Um, they're going to be in regards to the topics of spiritually, physically, um, financially, politically, and community-wise. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Spiritually. All right. So the first point that we made, obviously, she said is spiritually. Um, and I, I made this, well, this particular point was was important to me because it was about preparing for eternal living. Um, you're going to be dead a lot longer than you're going to be alive. For most people in the world, that is the case. Um, unless, you know, you're that last generation before Jesus comes, you know. But uh, more than likely, you'll be dead a lot longer than you'll be alive. So it makes sense to, uh, therefore, plan for eternity. Um, this should be your primary planning, your first planning. Uh, you know, because... We plan for eternity because we're looking forward to communion with Christ. And uh, we plan for eternity because it takes you away from putting your hope in the world. You know, when it comes down to it, um, when you do plan for eternity, when you're trying to get yourself spiritually ready, it really levels your head, I think. And I also believe that when you when you plan for eternity, it's one of those things where you because you're not putting your hope in the world, you know that the ultimate judge is going to bring ultimate justice. And it doesn't it, it while we do mourn, we always mourn with those who are mourning. At the same time, we know that the actual justice that's gonna come from the maybe the injustice that was done to somebody, or even just the sadness of an event in general. Someone died of natural causes, whatever it might be. The actual justice is going to come at the end of on the last on the day. last day mm-hmm. on the last day and and that judge is is going to give you one of two options he's going to tell you either my son paid for it on the cross or you're going to pay for it which one do you want and by God's grace we're hoping that you know I'm sure many of our listeners are believers in uh, in Jesus Christ and have placed their uh, faith and turned their faith and repentance to him. However, if you're, if you're a listener and you're not, we implore you and we, 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 we encourage you to read God's word, search your heart, and repent and turn, into Jesus, turn to Jesus Christ in faith and repentance. And also, just to kind of bring it back to just what's going on in the world, you know, um, God being the final judge applies to police officers as well. 
Um, and I think that when we place our hope in Christ, it allows our anger to be controlled. Yep. Um, in times like this, we really just have to trust that God is in control. And I don't mean that in just like a, just pray about it. I don't mean it in that way where we don't speak up and on things that are wrong. Um, but I mean it in the sense that like, we have to acknowledge that we can only see but so far, mm-hmm. but God sees everything. Yeah. Um, he knows what's going to happen now in the end. And so um, we have to trust that. And, you know, it sounds really foolish to those who are not believers um, or those who just don't get it. Um, but a lot of times you have to ask yourself, Am I policing posts because I'm trying to play God? Am I not satisfied with something right now because I want to be the final, you know, judge? Things of that nature. Um, and that is something that has brought me through many things, not just this, the topic at hand. Um, there are many times where Sam has said, Rochelle, you need to um, walk like you believe that God um, is the final judge or right. you need to, you know, you are so angry by this thing, Rochelle, like, you know, you are showing that you don't really trust that God is the final judge because you're trying to be that final judge. And so, um, you have to believe that God, um, is in control. You, you have to believe that. And at the same time, you got to remember, we're holding this intention. And what we mean by that is that while you're believing that God is the final judge and it tempers your anger at the same time, because God is the final judge and because we know how things are going to look in heaven, we're trying in, we know, we, we know we'll never fully achieve it, but we're trying to have a semblance of that within our communities, within our culture, within our country. And therefore there are going to be situations where you see injustice done and you must you have, in fact, it's probably your obligation to see that justice is somewhat done. Temporal justice is what we're referring to, is, is enacted in that situation. And that you're satisfied with the result at the end of that justice. Even right. though you're not going to get everything that you want, you're satisfied because you know at the end of the day, the ultimate judge, as we said it before, is going to handle everything. Right. Um yeah, so that's one aspect of just being prepared spiritually. Um, and I think that's kind of like a more broad of a concept. So I'm going to try to like simple that down, sim- simplify that to even be more practical in your home. Right. And so um, with that, we want to talk about family devotion. Um, yeah. We've talked about um, family devotion on this podcast many times, but we've never been as detailed as we are about to be, I don't think. Um, right, right, right. So, um, yeah, so we want to pretty much talk about something that we've learned recently that we are um, basically implementing in our home, um, basically what we pray, how we pray, and what we pray for each day. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, just real quick before we get into this new one, like prior to this, the way that Rochelle and I used to pray was, um, actually, let's start Let's start from the beginning, beginning. When, when Rochelle and I used to pray, it used to be just like, hey, God, here's our list of things, and uh, we'd appreciate if you get these things done for us. Thank you. Love you. Bye. Right, but now we pray in the form of acts. Right. And then, yeah, exactly. The next stage was we prayed in the form of acts, which was, um, uh, it's a, it's a, um, um, 
I forgot what they call it. It's a pseudonym, basically. But basically what it does is the A stands for adoration. Uh, the C, I believe, stands for confession. T stands for thanksgiving. And then the S stands for supplication. So um, A so A would be like just um, praising, you know, praising God. God for who he is. Um, C would be confessing your sin. I think this is extremely important because um, a lot of times we pray, like Sam was saying, and we just have our list. And um, it's very rare, it's, it's very rare that we come to God and say, um, I'm sorry for my sin today or this week or this mm-hmm. month. It's very easy to not do it just because, you know, we think we're sinless. Um, then you have thankfulness, just thanking God for who he is, what he's going to do, what he has done. And then you get your list at the bottom. Yes, of you what say. you actually want to ask, what it is that you want. Um, and what, uh, what and, and that you want his will above all to be done. Right. Um, you know, even if you go to um, the disciples' prayer, we call it the Lord's Prayer, but um, he was actually teaching the disciples how to pray, so um, it's probably more aptly named that. But the, the point is that if you go to the Lord's Prayer, you also see this uh, same pattern where you don't, you talk about God's will be done first before you ask for um, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread is towards the last half of it. The first half is our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy will be done, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Whew, that's such a good prayer. All right, but the point is, the point is, and we're going to get into that a little bit later, but um, the point is, is that we need to make sure that we're putting God's vision first for our lives. And then we're asking for what it is that we want, that our heart's desires are um, at the end. So, yeah. So um, we pray currently in the form of acts, but we've even gotten more specific mm-hmm. with the S part of that. So um, we pray the same in acts, adoration, confession, thankfulness, um, and supplication and um, supplication. supplication but the supplication changes each day right and right, it provides right. a structure and we do it based on the days of the week so we got s m t w t f s right okay and that's just another mnemonic um where sunday uh we pray for the saints yep so this is pretty much um you know the believers um those in your church family um, or just those who are just brothers and sisters in Christ, just in general, um, that we will persevere um, and that we will just um, continue to keep our hearts focused on Christ mm-hmm. and remember why we believe. Um, Monday. We pray for our marriage. Yep. That's for one another. So we pray for um, one another, just in re- one another and um, just our marriage in general, um, whatever we may want God to just continue to strengthen um, whatever we're thankful for, whatever we need help in. Um, You know, Monday is a day that we pray for our marriage. Mm -hmm. So Tuesday, we got tasks. Mm -hmm. So whatever we are trying to accomplish this this week, um, big or small. All the to-do list. All the to-do list. And and not even just the to-do list of like the immediate future, but even like long-term goals and stuff that we're trying to make sure we hit milestones on. 
Right. So, um, yep, we pray about the task on Tuesday. Um, Wednesdays, we pray for the workers. So this mm-hmm. is just kind of people um, and uh, that we know that have jobs, um, especially with COVID and everything going on. And yep. um, just, you know, praying that people um, have jobs. If they don't have jobs, that they have some type of supplemental uh, money that is holding them uh, or a community that can help them along. Yeah. Um, things of that nature. Um, Thursday, we, we adorate, we, uh, adoration, confession, thankfulness, and then thankfulness again <laughs> on, on Thursday. Thanksgiving, but, right. Yeah. So we thank God with the Thursdays are just a very, very thankful time. Um, could you imagine Thursdays on Thanksgiving day? It's going to be wild. Right. Yeah. And then, um, uh, yeah. So then the last thing we have here is second to last thing. I'm sorry. Second to last Friday. We play, we pray for family and friends. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Um, we um, pray for our family and friends. Um, pray for our upcoming baby. <laughs> well, that would be Saturday. Is that it? Saturday. Oh, I did. Oh, my bad. Uh, <laughs> so, I'm skipping ahead, guys. So Saturday is um, sons and daughters. So now that we do have a baby on the way, we can kind of fall in line to this and pray for our child that's on the way. Right. Um, so I guess family would actually more so be like brothers, sisters, cousins, mamas, daddies, yeah. grandpas, whatever, aunties, uncles. Right. I think sons and daughters, is. Pro- I think this probably makes more sense um, once you actually have a baby in the house and especially once they get older because you can actually see the things that they need prayer for. Yeah. Um, the things that they're going through or, or just the sh- fruits that you'd like to see them bear. Yep. Um, or that the fruits that you're thanking God that they are bearing. Um, but yeah, so s- Saturday is sons and daughters and then it goes right back on Sunday back to saints. So, um, yeah, so <laughs> we want to talk about, we want to just address that. Um, because a lot of times people are just like, okay, you said to pray, but how do you do that? And I think right. that um, just kind of the way that we've um, outlined it um, has been really helpful to us. Um, right. We did not pioneer this. We learned this from um, Pastor Vody Bauckham. Um, so we definitely encourage you to um, listen to more of his content if you'd like to find out more on that. Yeah. And uh, so the next topic, we've covered spiritual, um, just having that particular block of your life locked down. The next topic is physicality, physically. And when we say physically, we mean as it pertains to protection. Yep. Um, I want to be clear on that. And by protection, we mean guns, <laughs> okay? <laughs> um, so let's just rip the Band-Aid off. Yeah. Um, this is a time where we want to be prepared, you know? Um, I know different people have different feelings about guns. Um, but regardless of how you feel, at the end of the day, um, taking away guns means taking away the ability to protect yourself. Right. I mean, one thing, I'll, I'll just I'll do my little brief spiel real quick on this. And that's basically that um, I think people, when they read the Ten Commandments and they see that, that, uh, that phraseology that the King James Version gave us of um, thou shall not kill. Um, well... That particular word that they use there, if you look at the Hebrew word there, is it's murder. Um, and the Bible is actually very clear on what murder actually is. And however, um, if you are defending your loved ones from harm, that is not considered murder. That is considered manslaughter, um, as they would probably call it, 
it's not manslaughter in as the way that we would phrase it in in today's terminology or or put the definition in today's terminology but essentially you had to kill to prevent life from being from being taken um and they have various laws about this for example um there's one law that that talks about if a thief comes in the middle of the night and he is slain then there is no blood guilt on the man who slays him what does blood guilt mean that means that your life is not required of you if you killed him and he snuck into your house at night and you i mean essentially what that means is that you don't know what that dude what is what his intentions are you just have you have only the time to react and if you kill him in the process you're fine and you're justified however they have another law that's right next to that one that says however if you kill him and it's during the daytime and you can see maybe he was just you know stealing some bread or whatever it is like that you can report him so that authorities can come and take him. However, if you kill him, that blood guilt is going to be upon you because you can see him. You can tell whether or not this is something that is going to be harmful to your life. Um, and that, that was kind of like the, uh, the import from that particular passage. There are other passages as well. Um, I mean, we got passages where Jesus telling telling his, uh, his, his, his 12, go, go and get two swords because we about to go hit the streets. And you don't know what these guys are going to be doing, you know? Sell your cloak and buy two swords. There's a reason for these things. It's okay to defend yourself. Right. And so um, just kind of in light of everything that's going on, um, this podcast is really, <laughs> what are you going to do if um, one day things go left with the government? Like, how do you protect yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just I'll just kind of, I guess, share my experience with... Um, firearms. Um, before I met Sam, um, I was like most people. Um, I had no experience with guns. In fact, I was afraid of them. Um, it wasn't until I met Sam, um, you know, saw he had a gun, was kind of like, mm, okay, you might be a serial killer, but uh, um, <laughs> we'll just keep this courtship thing going until we figure out. So, um, but it wasn't until, dun, dun, dun. right, right. I'm just kidding, y'all. But it wasn't until we went to like the gun range a couple times um, and I got familiar with them that I came to be okay with them. Um, you know, um, and that's kind of been my story. Um, like even now, like my mom's like, you know, she's still afraid of guns, but, you know, she hears a little creak in the house. She knows who to call. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So, um, yes. But I wanted to ask you, babe, um, what has been your experience with guns? Like, if somebody wanted to know how to get started, what would you recommend? So, talk about um, your thoughts about guns before you had them. What made you want to get them? And then how you went into the process of getting them. I think my thoughts on guns is the same way I feel about it's kind of like when you first get a knife or when you first get any type of weapon period you don't you you know what the damage can be like you know you can get stabbed you know that I guess if anyone had a bow and arrow you could get (laughs) you can get uh, hit by a bow I mean hit by an arrow but like and you know that damage would be fatal Um, however it's about learning how to use the tool the tool itself is not what is dangerous. It's the, the handler of the tool that can be dangerous. And um, I, I, I guess I started just kind of um, listening to some of my friends uh, um, and them inviting me out 
to the gun range. And when we went out to the gun range and we had an instructor, he just really showed us the basics of, you know, uh, firearm safety, uh, keeping your finger off the trigger, making sure the safety's on, learning how to um, um, reload a gun, learning how to unload a gun, make sure that the barrel is clear, um, you know, things that are just not going to, things that make you so familiar with the tool that it no longer becomes a threat anymore. You're like, okay, I know what this is now. I understand it. And and, I, and now I understand why so many people have them <laughs> because it, when, when you get comfortable with it and you realize how it's supposed to be handled, how it's supposed to be stashed away um, in a safe manner, all those different things, it no longer becomes any different from a kitchen a kitchen knife, you know, in your drawer. Right. It, it literally is no different. So um, if you could further elaborate, like, so, all right, you read up on something or you went to a gun range one time and you liked it, so you want to get a gun. What happens next? Um, well, I would say you want to go to the gun range and you want to figure out, uh, if it's a pistol anyway, you want to... Well, how do you uh, figure out which one you want? Exactly. You got you got to go to the gun range. You got to try some out. You got to really figure out like how much kick do you want um, when you shoot? Um, how much can your hands actually handle in regards to that? Um, I'm I carry nine mil nine, nine millimeter. That's just kind of where I'm at with it. I know people who carry forty fives and some people who do um, uh, magnums as well. So I mean, it just depends on what what your style is. There are some people with some really big hands who don't mind shooting those uh shooting those uh heavier guns. Um, me personally, um, I just I like a nine millimeter. Um, and you're just going to try different ones out, and you're going to figure out your price range as far as what you want to be able to afford. Um, you can also, uh, for me personally, I know I wanted a, um, I wanted something for not only for my person to hold on me, but also um, for my home. So I bought a shotgun. And, uh, you know, uh, those are things that you, you just want to try to get for different situations. So if someone breaks in my house, I have a shotgun. If someone, if, if anything was to happen to me in the street, I have my pistol. Um, and, uh, you know, and other various uh, items as well. But, yeah, that's, that's kind of, you, you go to the range, you try out a couple. And, and then you, after that, you um, will have to get a background check. Yeah, so you do background checks. What they're going to do, actually, pr- before they do a background check, they do a little questionnaire um, just to see if you're, <laughs> just to see if you're going to lie. A questionnaire. Uh, do you plan to shoot people with this? Well, not only that, like they'll, uh... they'll ask you before they check your background to see if you have any felonies. They'll ask you if you have any felonies, because if you do lie, mm-hmm. then that in itself is also considered a felony or uh, it's considered a, you're breaking a law. And, um, so, you know, at least from, from my experience, it's pretty thorough, uh, with regards to uh, with regards to the purchase of a gun and making sure that um, at least for those who are legally carrying that there are people who are law-abiding citizens right. that's usually who you're running into when you do see people with guns they're law-abiding citizens man just give me a grenade so I can just uh, <laughs> if someone if someone tries to harm me I'm just blowing it all up I don't even care yeah. but um just kidding but Thank you for that. Um, I think that there are some people who will listen to this um, that um, will definitely gain some tools from what you said. Um, but yeah, guys, go ahead and research if you know firearms or something that you're interested in. 
Um, in no way, shape, or form are we endorsing crazies to get firearms. But um, if you are a law-abiding citizen, like um, Sam said, and you want to look more into guns, feel free. You want to protect your family. You want to protect yourself. Look, one of the things that is God-given is the right to protect the loved ones under your direction and care and yourself. One of the, one of the, another thing that's also uh, God given is sin. <laughs> so people like you yeah, know sometimes bad guys carry bad guns guys too. Are gonna, bad guys are going to exist. I think people are just like, oh well, if you take away all the guns, then all the bad guys would disappear. It's like no, they'll either get the guns illegally or they will find some other way to cause harm. Your local police appreciate more a society that is well armed than a society that is disarmed. Because your local police have to respond to more calls and put themselves in more danger in the events that they have. Like, what happens often in the South, anyway, uh, for many of the Southern states, is that someone breaks in a house, either a gunshot goes off by the gun owner, or just even just flashing a gun can cause a criminal to run away. And you should look that up. A lot of people, they love to, you know, spout out the, um, oh, um, there really is no market different mark, mark difference between uh, people who own guns uh, being able to you know kill the assailant or whatever like that. That's not true. Go look up DGUs, defensive gun use in America. It's over. I think it's over three hundred thousand, if I remember correctly. It might be over that um, per year, per year, and they, and that's estimated between three hundred to a million. So um, defensive what are, defensive. What are for those who don't know, DG um, def- defensive gun use, DGUs. Um, this is something that the FBI chronicles, in which you know, let's say someone breaks into your house, you pull a gun, and the the um, the uh, the the criminal flees. Uh, that's called a defensive gun use. Or you pull a gun and you shoot the the criminal. Uh, th- those are called defensive gun uses. So that can happen. You can be in a grocery store. And, you know, someone tries to hold it hostage and you pull your gun and you either put the criminal down or the, the criminal flees. That's called a defensive gun use. And they, they, they catalog that. The FBI catalogs that and they, they give you a statistic every year as to how many of those on average are used. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I think we've kind of uh, pistol whipped you with gun knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think we can move on. <laughs> All right, so another aspect of just being prepared physically is with your health. Um, And um, I want to kind of give disclaimers. We are not um, fitness experts, nor are we super healthy. I am pregnant, and my pregnancy is almost done. (laughs) So um, I'm eating everything in sight. She's been enjoying. She's been enjoying. um, Sam is also restarting his fitness journey. So we just want to say that so that we're honest. Um, We know the... um, Gave me some super happy fat boy. We we um we know the <laughs> we know the uh, importance of being healthy, but um we are currently not practicing it. I am not. Sam has restarted, so he kind of is, um, but I am currently not um practicing that. In fact, if I can get a slushy after this podcast, that would be great. Um, so <laughs> um, so there's that. Um, but yeah, um, but in efforts to protect yourself as it pertains to government and stuff, you want to be healthy so that you are not slowed down. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people forget that. Um, you know, if you need to run, 
you don't need to be. Can't carry that extra weight, boy. Yeah. Can't carry that extra weight. You got to learn to. You going to miss your bus. Bag lady and bag man. Yeah, so you're going to miss your bus if you, if you, if you um, got all that extra weight on you. So um, you definitely want to be healthy. You know, and I was also thinking about this as well because I think it's just true, not only about like just working out, but anything that you physically labor in. Um, there is a lot of spiritual import in physical fitness and healthy living. Like for for anything that causes aches and pains in general, um, especially if you haven't done it in a while. Let's say you hit the gym for the first time in a couple of months. And what, how do you feel the day after? You feel very sore, right? And then the next day you feel a little bit less sore, but, you know, it's getting better. And then it just gets better and better before, you, before you're not really aching like that anymore. And that's in the younger years anyway. But then also, um, think about that spiritually. Is that not true? Is, that, is it not true that you go through pain before things get better? Is it not true that there is a level to which you can see that exact same parallel in your own life, um, in your day-to-day interactions with with uh, with people, right? Um, and I, I just think that even like for a gardener, for example, let's say it's, let's take it away from like sports and working out. Um, for a gardener, um, the patience that you need. To, I'm about to say a gardener is actually a really good example. Mm-hmm, the patience that you need to be able to do those things, um, carpentry. Uh, the, 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 the skill level that you need to be able to, to, to put these structures together. There's a lot of spiritual import in that. What else needs structure, guys? Family. We're talking about it right now. Structure is needed. And at the same time, play is needed. All these things are just things that you can learn from the physicality of things, but then bring it back into the spiritual. And I think that's why a lot of the, a lot of the, I think God in the fullness of time knew exactly what he wanted people to do. Because those Old Testament examples, when you read those things and, you know, Jesus Christ is given a parable about seeds and all these different things that people are doing with their physical hands. It all has spiritual import. That's why he called them parables. Yeah, and um, last thing before we wrap the physical point up, um, health shows discipline and self-control. Yes. And um, those two things, discipline and self-control, mastering those things, will trickle into other areas of your life, Mm -hmm. um, which will help you make better decisions long-term, which will help you be able to think more critically and on your feet. Yep. Um, So that's another thing that um, I definitely want to mention. I remember this one man, um, this one man I knew from a previous church that I used to go to. I used to play the piano at this church, and um, he used to tell me, Mastering your appetite and mastering your tongue are two of the hardest things you'll ever have to do. But once mastered, it will greatly benefit you in almost every aspect of life. Yeah. And I took it somewhat to heart. Obviously, I didn't take it too much to heart because it is tummy. I was just gonna but, say, uh, like you are, you but, are, you are, be- you're good at mastering your tongue. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm learning to master my tongue. Um, uh, I but don't I'm, think I master my appetite either. So I'm working on my appetite, working on my appetite, <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, th- those are, those are things that I think that, um, also, uh, we just all, we all need to tighten up on, uh, when it comes to health and, uh, fit, uh, physical fitness, guns, all those things on the physical layer, um, definitely need to be locked down. Okay. 
So point three, um, I think this will probably be my favorite point, is uh, financially. Um, Here we go. You know? this, this is her wheelhouse, y'all. Money, 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 money. Money, 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 money. So... Um, I think this is my favorite point because, you know, in our home, um, I actually handle the finances. Mm-hmm. Um, so in regards to um, making sure all money collected in this house is a- allocated in the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and Sam always says, Rochelle, you have a fear of being broke. <laughs> so Brokeophobia. So, I'm telling you. <laughs> So, hey man, if you're looking for a wife, get a wife that got brokeophobia. I'm so, telling you. So yeah, it's I, worth it. For the most part, I'm, I pretty much lay low. We have a strict budget, um, but I'm also the type of person like when it's time to spend money, it's time. When it's time to go on vacation, we because we've been so um, disciplined, we can do what we want. When mm-hmm. it's time to have a wedding, we can do what we want. When it's time to go to a wedding, we want to get a nice outfit, we can do what we want. Um, but besides that, on a regular day-to-day, we live probably very, below our means, actually. Very much below um, our means. We usually have a lot of money to be able to save at the end of the month just because we just don't spend it all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that being said, um, financial preparation Money is power in this world. Um, So the question you want to ask yourself is, do you have enough of it? And of course, um, this is subjective, right? You know, like to certain people, a lot of money will be this much. Certain people, a lot of money will be this much. But essentially, um, one of the things we want to address is like, do you have the money to um, make a change in your city or county? Yeah, yeah, that's a very big, that's a very good point because like, what, what I am very, especially for um, African Americans um, in this country, um, and I applaud you by the way, um, because there are a lot of business owners just coming up, I mean, day after day, month after month. Uh, I see it, especially just living in the chocolate, well, not living in the chocolate city, but we we live in the metro Atlanta area, so we see this all the time. Anytime you go into Atlanta, you can see several different black-owned businesses, and um, and uh, even even online as well, you see that as well. So even when you're not uh, you know, going to the brick-and-mortar stores, people are really out here doing it, and I love this entrepreneurial cat class of people that is coming up. Uh, the reason why we bring this up is because the entrepreneurial ca- class are who, they're the investor class. That's who they are. And wh- what is it you're going to invest in? Many, uh, especially with today's climate, it has become very apparent that um, not only should you invest in yourself and growing your business, which is good, but you should also invest in the politician that you believe is going to pass policy or that shows you a track record, I should mostly say, actually, that shows you a track record that they are going to pass policy that is going to be conducive to your environment and what you need. And I think when it comes to like money and politics, a lot of people don't like talking about that because they're just like, you should have a real heart of empathy and it shouldn't take my dollars to influence what you want to put in office. And... Um, yeah, in a perfect utopia world, but that doesn't exist. Marketing costs money. Um, any, actually, any of the business people who we're talking to right now, 
They know this already. Right. <laughs> it all costs money. These Even the politician has to market himself or herself. They have to put themselves out there, and it's going. It, they can't just do it on free 99. Right, and it's, um, it's, it's no different than a business investment. So you, um, once you save up your capital, you are paying that politician to get the return on investment of giving you the policy that you are interested in right. being implemented. Um, and so um, it is a transaction. So... Do you have enough money um, to make a change in politics? And sometimes a lot of people feel like that is like hundreds of thousands of dollars, but it's not. It's not. Sometimes it's, not it's only a, a 1000 or a couple thousand or whatever. But it at least lets people know, um, I don't just have words, I have power. So um, yeah. I, my, my, my money means something. My vote means something. Right. right? And, and, and isn't that, that's the outcry. That's the outcry right now is that, does my vote mean anything anymore? That's the big outcry. And this is how you solve that. This is how you give people that solution. And, and, and one thing I also We're going to get to poli- politi- politically on a full spectrum in the next point. Um, but, yeah, what were you saying, babe? I, I was also going to say that um, when it comes to this, like, the, the entrepreneurs out there, are not the well actually I think we're gonna save that. Let's save that for the for the fourth point. Okay. But well, let's talk about let's talk about our our um our the our, next financial point. Yeah. Before you say that, before we do that though, um I do want to say like you know Sam kind of mentioned entrepreneurs um but I want to make it very clear. Um I know that entrepreneurship is not for everyone. And right. if you are an entrepreneur you need people who are not entrepreneurs to pay for your product or service. So you know a lot of times people feel like, well, if I'm not an entrepreneur, there's no way I can save extra money. No. And more than likely, most of us, we spend our money on frivolous things that add up. That could be takeout. That could be, oh, you go to um, you know, little department store and you get a little thing for $20, mm-hmm. but you do that five times a month. Right. Um, or, um, you know, you every Saturday you're at brunch, um, you know, and that brunch meal costs about $30 um, and you do that every Saturday mm-hmm. or every Saturday and Sunday and it racks up. Um, it is very rare that a person is truly living check to check. Now, with that being said, I don't want to sound insensitive. I know that there are some people that truly have it tight. But when you find out that you are that person, you need to learn a new skill. You need to make some money on the side or get a second job. You need to become more marketable. Yes, um, exactly. it, 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 it is not just, you know, okay, well, and, and I get what, to blame the government now. You know, you have to work. And when we say marketable, this is not like some like because i know like when you say marketable people think about capitalism and all the negative connotations behind capitalism but the fact of the matter is this being marketable at its bare basic level means i am able to be of service to my neighbor there is something my neighbor needs or wants and i am able to service him that's that's essentially what it is it is loving your neighbor to be marketable. It is good to be marketable. There's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. Take away that stigma. Take the time to um, save whatever it is that you do have and invest in your future. Right. Um, and that can be um, $100 every um, 
every, every month. month. That could be $100 every month. There's a website and, called Skillshare right now. You can go learn a skill right now for less than $100, by the way, per month. And if you don't feel like learning a skill, you should. But if you don't, you can save $100 a month. And by month five, you have $500 that you yeah. can, um, that you would have spent. So it's still uh, uh, an advantage, still something that it's good to do. So, yeah. all right. So still on the topic of finance, um, being debt-free um, is, is something that you also want to make sure that as a family, um, that is a, a goal that you have. And not just a goal that you have, but a goal that you are practically and actively working towards. Mm-hmm. Um, why? Because debt is also another thing that slows you down. Yep. Um, you know, that is shackles. That is slavery. That that's exactly what it is. And you don't want <clears throat> you don't want to have, you know, this. Oh, I guess I'll just pay it as much as I can. And I'll just leave the rest of my grandkids and my kids to pay. Like, no, you want to get that out of the way as soon as possible, so that the rest of your life, whether it be in your thirties or your forties. You can invest in you and, and have and, and love your family like without having to always pay, you know, pay Peter and, 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 and all that stuff like that. You just you just really want to get debt off your slate. Yeah. So I know um, for us, um, we have like two debts right now. Yeah. Um, one of them is student loans um, and the other one is our car, which we'll probably have paid off by the end of this year. Yep. Um, we do not have credit cards in this house. Um, that may or may not change in the future, but I'm just saying that to say um, the things that we're all we're talking to you guys about are things that we are doing in our home. Right, right. Um, which is why we feel comfortable talking about them. So, um, yeah, so debt-free. Another, another point added to the debt-free point is savings yes um three to six months three to nine months worth of savings um this is extremely important um this is something that sam and i um did accomplish earlier this year and so we're adding to that um as the days go by you want to tally up all of your expenses for the month um you know cable utilities mortgage if you have one you want to tile car payment you want to tally it all up and multiply it if you want to do six months of expenses multiply it by six or if you want to do nine months multiply it by nine or if you want to do a year multiply it by a year 12 12 and then you need to save that amount have that money in your account why one the main reason is um if any of you um get let go from your job or fired from your job Mm -hmm. um you want to be able to have something to to cover the expenses while you were looking for a new job Um, but also in light of just the government going crazy um, you want to be able to um, just have that um, um, in the bank yeah I think that one thing I'll just say to you fellas I'm not going to even take long on this having six months of expenses in the bank or more is going to really help your marriage it'll help and not even just your marriage if you're not married and you have six months worth of expenses in the bank it literally it it really decreases stress yeah it decreases stress tremendously in your relationships and in 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 for yourself for yourself as well yeah um yeah i'll just yeah i'll disagree with you there i i will agree with you there um The last thing we want to talk about in regards to finances is a cash stash. And um, 
This is similar to three, six months of savings, but the location is different. Right. Um, and so um, a cash dash is basically like an amount of money that you have um, that is not in the bank. Yeah. Um, you can put it anywhere. Um, but basically, you need to be ready with money on hand in the event that something happens in the world and the bank's Cut Close. you off access to your money. Mm-hmm. So say you save three to six, you know, months worth of saving, and you put it in the bank. But then the the government says, "Well, we're gonna take all of that, and <laughs> all your banks are shut down, and you can't get access to your money. You can only um, get this amount per day. And, and well, what if they just say you can get nothing? Like, yeah. what, well, what if they decide to take it all, and you have? Maybe they give you 20 minutes to get everything, but your bank is 45 minutes away. Or maybe they just say, oh, there's no time limit. We're just cutting it all right now. Yeah, you save three to six months worth of expenses, but you can't do anything with, with it. it. Right. So, um, you know, you want to have a cash dash, some something somewhere um, so that you can be ready um, should you need to grab and go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... You know, I, that's something that we um, have definitely Look, researched. And the bank is a man-made institution, and all man-made institutions eventually do crumble. You have to prepare for these things. Um, you know, it's it's. This is just our advice. You don't have to necessarily take it. We love y'all nonetheless, and we're just giving it to right. you for free. <laughs> all right, so. That wraps up the financial part. We're going to get into the political point, and this is where Sam is going to fly like a bird. So, um, <laughs> so all right. So, <laughs> go ahead, babe. All right. So, the the last, uh, well, not the last point, but the second to last point on pol- on politics. Um, I made a point, actually, on my on my Facebook that um, it, it, it's, it's almost a no-brainer, but police enforce policy. That's what they do. That's what they do, y'all. They enforce policy. And the question is not necessarily about what the police are doing. It's about what are, who is doing the commanding of the police. Who is writing the laws that are requiring that the police engage and many times harass the people that are doing nonviolent things um, and causing discomfort for you and your community. Um, so this is why we spoke about entrepreneurial investor classes being able to um, invest in politicians that will be of most benefit to them with regards to um, the climate that they want to see in their communities. This will vary from community to community. As you know, America is not a democracy. We are a representative republic. And therefore, we have different representatives for different communities. And what my community is going to look like is going to differ from what you prefer your community to look like. Now, one thing I did say, I said entrepreneurial class. What about the other people who are not entrepreneurs? Uh, entrepreneurs? Um, the, the fact is, is that not only does money matter in politics, people matter in politics. So if you're not necessarily the biggest investor in the world... You, however, can use your voice to get people to let politicians know, hey, if you do this, then you have my vote and you have the vote of everybody who's behind me. If you don't do this, then you lose my vote and you lose the votes of everybody behind me. Right. Um. So influence 
and money are two things that speak very powerfully in the realm of politics. Yeah, uh, and so um, I remember we were kind of talking about, you know, the Central Park incident that just happened recently and even obviously the most recent oh, one, yeah. um, the George um, Floyd incident. And um, we were kind of saying that in both situations, these are things that could have easily been dissolved, dissolved without the police. Yep. So um, I think you should share just light on that, like how you were saying, yeah, like, like bird watching these laws. Yeah, yeah. Like, all right. So <laughs> I'm not from New York. Uh Obviously, <laughs> but one thing I I know constitutionally is that, um, you know, we ha- we all have the right to private property. Uh, the first piece of private property you are granted when you come into this world is your physical body. It's your physical person, and therefore, no one has the right to trespass, to damage, to do harm to your physical person. Now, when I thought about the Central Park situation, I saw, I, saw, I saw that situation as this. You have, because um, the, the, the African-American man who um, met the, we call her Karen, so, but uh, the African-American. Her name was Amy Cooper. Amy Cooper. I think they were both Coopers. Christian Cooper and Amy, Amy Cooper. Cooper. There it was. Thank you. Um, thank you for reminding me. Mm-hmm. So Christian Cooper. Don't be calling these people. Don't be calling these people on my podcast. All right. All right. All right. So, um, so Christian Cooper, he actually chronologized, uh, chron- he, he gave a chronological order of what actually happened in the park uh, that day. And he was out there bird watching um, and he noticed that this lady had her dog off the leash in an area of the park where the law has or, or the regulations of that particular park say that you cannot have your dog off the leash. Um, so I guess, you know, if you're a bird watcher and a dog is off the leash, I'm guessing that the dog might be scaring away the birds in they, the they area. Eat, I, or, think they, I think they like eat the birds or like maybe they, they eat the, the birds, birds or they or do something. something. They do something of Everybody some sort. Everybody has their own thing. Right. They like, all got, you, know? you got your own hobby or whatever like that. I get no. it. But here's the thing. The thing is that what what Christian immediately did was he did what I think was a sensible act. And he said, hey, this is the rule. Can you abide by this rule? Okay. So the rule, the law, is what he was invoking to see if this lady would then, if he could leverage it to get this lady to comply with with what he wanted her to do. Mm -hmm. She then says... No, I'm not going to comply with that rule. And I don't want to walk my dog in the area that the um, that is allowed because it's a little bit of a da- more dangerous area. Uh-huh. Following this, he says, well, if you're not going to listen to me, you're going to really hate what I'm about to do next. And he calls this lady's dog over there and he pulls out a doggy treat. I guess, you know, that's something that he just keeps on him. I don't know. This might be a New York thing in general. But then what does she do? She threatens him and tells him, I'm going to use my tribal bias to get a cop to believe uh, an untruth about an African-American male and make it seem as though I'm threatened for my life. And what we have here is you have, um, give me the lady's name one more time. Amy. Amy Cooper. 
taking it, taking the leveraging of the state to the nth degree. She now wants to take the, the leverage of the state and get a cop to then use his his uh, coercion to get him to comply. But the way I looked at the entire thing was that if my part, I don't own the trees, I don't own the birds, I don't own, own the squirrels or the grass or whatever. I don't own these places. So if a dog is not harming my person, then it's probably best if I just ask her politely. And but he did. Did he? I believe he did. I thought I thought what he did initially was that he was telling her that, that these are the rules. But I, either way, but my point is that negotiation could have happened at this moment. That's what I that's what my main point is. My point is that in negotiation what should happen is you can peacefully negotiate, and if someone does not agree to your terms, you can go somewhere else. It's really that simple. And the other side of it is the racism side, where someone knows exactly what they are trying to do, and then they're using the power of the state to get their to get their 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 wants accomplished. Both of these situations are are wrong, because like I said, you don't get to call Well, they're not they're they're not wrong in regards to the guy because um the what's wrong is and bringing this back to the political point of this podcast, what's wrong is that the law exists in the first place. Right. But but when you put laws in place, people will implement them because the laws are there. Right. If, if this was another scenario and the shoes on the other foot, and I mean, even right now, but what, I we're guess, talking about looting and stuff like that. I mean, those are people are mad because there's laws in place to where you can't just walk in stores and take things that aren't yours, and some people are upset about that. So well, that's that's a property issue again, though. But but like what I'm trying to, I guess what I'm trying to, what I'm really trying to get at is that um, the law being in place, mm-hmm. um, that person needs to. There has to come a time at which people say to themselves, okay, why is the cop being leveraged? Because the cop, the cop is, is being forced into a situation between two people where he could have just, it, had, had there not been a law there, he could have just told the lady, um, that's not a crime, ma'am. That's not a crime. Uh, yeah, but I think we're, I think at the, we're saying the same thing. Okay. There's no error on what the black guy did. Right. Because all he was doing By was legal. enforcing a law that was in place that he didn't put in place. He right. was just following it. Mm-hmm. Um, she was wrong because she was, she was being. Wrong. She was bearing she, false witness. Yes, she was being um, untruthful. So I want to be clear on that. I think the point of this, po- this political point of this podcast is to say that um, police enforce policy. So what we are saying here essentially is. Get the policies that are stupid that you don't like out the of here. Heck out of here. And and get the policies that you want in place in place. Now, mm-hmm. granted, we live in a fallen world. Even when you get all the policies that you want, somebody's gonna corrupt it just because that's just how that's, people yeah, do. No matter where you go, there you are. But at least we can never ever have a conversation that results in this nonsense. Over bird watching. 
Right. At least it, at least it'll be maybe about something else. I felt the same way honestly when it came to George Floyd. I just felt like it didn't need to go there. Like this has actually happened to me before. This is I've gone to the bank and received money from the bank, gone to the store, the store owner checks one of my 20s and says, "This 20 is not real." I'm like, "Are you serious right now?" I just got that from the bank. Or I just got it from the um from the uh what's the ATM? The ATM. So what do we what do we really like you see what I'm saying like there there is a level at which forceful co- coercion does not need to happen to these people. Yeah, like he could just say I'm not going to um take this money from you until you get me a real bill. Right. And then you can just say, "Okay, I'm going to the bank to figure yeah. this out." You give him back the item that you were going to purchase, you go back to the bank, you get a real 20, you probably, you know, have it off with them because of them making you look crazy in front of all these people. And then, you know, it's it's really the, that simple. And the police doesn't have to be called at all. Um, but yeah, man, um this is also the importance. This is why voting locally is extremely important because yes. more than like a lot of people get lost in the sauce of who's going to be the president or like who's going to all these people who <laughs> do not have the power to change what you experience daily. Um, and sometimes it's funny to just watch people get into a whole tornado of like, I love Trump. I hate Trump. And it's just like, Trump doesn't matter. He, he, he does not. He does not he affect not you. The one. And, like, he, and by the way, for, for all sides, Trump literally, there he can deregulate, but he cannot pass policies on the local level in your community to affect you. I think people don't understand the checks and balances. They don't know them, so yeah. they think that the president solves everything, and he doesn't really solve much. Who you elect for your mayor, you have to ask them. Hey, who's the police chief that you're going to appoint? Because your police chief is going to affect you. He is over all those officers who are going to be policing your city, patrolling around. And as they patrol around, are they going to be abusive in their power or not? Does this police chief have a track record of allowing for abuse or not? And what were you telling me the other day? You were saying, like, even if the government came into your city or county right now, they would still be subject to the police. Exactly. And a lot of people don't know that. Yeah. Like, you know. Uh, this happened in Northern California. Um, there was a city up there. I forgot which one it was, but or I think it was the county actually. Um, and they told they told the FBI, we are no longer abiding <laughs> by this uh, this quarantine COVID nonsense. And if we see you in our city, FBI, we will arrest you. We're going. This is the way we decided to govern, and that's the way it is. And there was no. That was it. That was it. In the discussion, nobody pushed back on it. They were like, okay, I guess that's what they're doing. Yes. So to wrap up the political point, um, voting on the smaller level produces the most results. So you have to know that. Um, In light of what we said about the political point, though, all of these laws being passed and that don't, all these policies that are in place, I'm sorry, um, that are kind of frivolous um, and the cops being called because of it. Um, I think about it as we go into our last point. A lot of reasons why the police are always called is because we have um, trained our society to be very individ- individualistic. Yeah. And so. Um, Speak on it. So we no longer trust each other. Because we don't mm-hmm. know each other. Um, and, you know, 
we call the police because right. we feel like we don't know each other. You don't call the police on someone that you know unless they're like, you know, probably causing harm to themselves or could potentially cause a situation to escalate and be worse than it would be, whatever. But you don't call you call police on dan- on when you feel like you're in danger. Right. And so, but because we've made our society so individualistic, people feel like they have no choice but to call this man in blue to regulate when if we really looked at each other as community um we would be able to handle things better in a a negotiation standpoint like you were saying so you know you know this this really brings it back to the spiritual because one thing i'm just this is just my personal conviction on this a lot of these feelings that we're talking about i just don't i don't see how you could justify from scripture you know bearing false witness against your neighbor and not getting to know your community as a Christian. I think, I just feel like you you have to know them. You have to be able to relate with your brother and sister. And especially if you're really the, the Christian that is is fervent for the word of God being exported out to all people of all nations and you're surrounded by them in the inner city of some sort. Yes, you have to let them know who you are so that, the, you know, when someone sees you, they can walk alongside you. They can also speak up if something's being done wrong to you. But it's this individualism that causes us to forget, oh, wow, we've, there's power in community, y'all. There is power in community. Right. Um, so that brings us to our last point, community. <laughs> yep. So The fifth and final point. This point, I think this is like the political one was Sam's baby. The financial one was also my baby, but the community one is also my baby. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> in between the both of us, I am like the relational one. Yes. Um, so this is really important to me. So community, ask yourself, do you have a plan with your community should things go left? Like, do you have um, a family or families that um, you can combine with and just... Um, survive with if things yep. were to go left in this government and in yeah. this country in this nation or this world yeah you know that song who you gonna call like that's exactly what it is like it, we have someone some people right now that if 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 things were to go left we would all combine our resources come together and we would figure it out because those are the people that we trust and that we love and that um we have developed our own community with um and you know, it's kind of like I remember a, a while back, um, there was a time where I had posted something where I was like, don't get an app for that, get a guy for that. Um, I think I'd heard it from someone else. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember who it was in particular. But um, the point was that you need to get other, you know, guys around you that are are big on the other four points that we have actually just discussed prior to this. You need to get guys that are financially um, financially stable. You need to get guys that are uh, spiritually stable. You need to get guys that are um, that they care about their health, and you need to get guys that are also you know, know about policy. Poli- they know about policy. They know how to locally you know influence their their communities. Because I mean, it's cool if you had just one guy that that was strong on maybe one of these points each, but it's so much of a stronger situation when you have four or five guys and their families, and they're all proficient on everything that we've talked about listed down this row. Right, and so um, here's the thing. We hang out, 
right? We touch base with one another. We brunch. We go to each other's homes. We have our group chats. We do all these things where we are actually physically in the room with one another. Um, But are you equipping one another with the knowledge that you need? Um, Or are we just wasting time laughing, joking? Um, And I think that's what Sam, that is what Sam is saying. Um, You know, it'll be a pity to have so much access to so many people, so many resources that God has given you in community and not utilize it, not ask how to become better, smarter, faster, stronger. Um, You know, and that is what community should be used for. It's not just to like, you know, have the same jokes or laugh, laugh at the same memes or Mm -hmm. just, you know, feel the same way and post the same on social media. No community is, um, who do I feel called to walk alongside with? And that is from a spiritual standpoint, just in discipleship, but it's also from a physical, financial, political um, standpoint as well. Who do I want to walk alongside Mm -hmm. in the event that, I, in the event that the government goes left and I have to work, we have to work in numbers so that we survive longer. Yeah, we got to organize, you know, and, and it's, it, and oftentimes, uh, that, that, that posse, if you will, that group of people is, it's not going to be that, it's not going to be that big. It's going to be maybe three or four, um, uh, close, close people that you know, and y'all will be willing to figure out how to work together to, um, to survive, you know, God in general, he made us very relational people. And, um, um, I hope that, um, as you are being relational with, with, and being intentional with your relations, uh, with, uh, your neighbors and stuff like that, that you're able to eventually develop a friendship that you can call on them in time of need and they can call on you and they, and everybody feels confident to do that with one another. Right. So um, before we kind of wrap up, I want to talk about what this looks like practically. So financially, politically, physically, in regards to protection um, and spiritually, um, meet up with one another. If you somebody knows about finances, teach the others. Mm-hmm. If um, you all don't know about finances, meet up and get a book that <laughs> and, and, and all learn it together. Yeah. Um, same when when it comes to learning about policy. Same thing as it pertains to protecting yourselves. Um, you know, each one teach one. We like you know we need to. Again, like I said, not just be sitting around um, doing frivolous things, um, because you're gonna get left behind when the switch gets turned on yeah. or off. It's good to get the serious things uh, down packed first. Get your Get that. Uh, it's kind of like in a business. They always tell you get your paperwork down first, and we can have fun later. It's always going to be time for for fun. It's always going to be time for for you know lighthearted jokes and just you know jesting and, and having a good time and just kicking back. But if you have those main tenets all squared away, then that it's it's at that point that you can relax. It's at that point that you've uh, you've 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 been a diligent and a good steward over your time. Alrighty, guys, that is all we have for you this week. I am so proud of this podcast. Like, I think we talked about a lot of stuff that I think we'll be able to replay um, for probably in the years to come. Yeah. Um. So I'm really happy about this podcast. Um. Yeah, man. Tell us what you guys um have learned from this. 
I'm not even going to say tell us what you think because I know this, we dropped some fire for you. So tell, tell us what you learned um, and share this to other people as well. Um, and anything you want to add, please give us, give us feedback on this as well. Yep. Alrighty, guys. Um, take care. We will see you next week. God bless. Bye.